0: Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar and I'm here today with Mark Sheeran. We are two of the co-authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family. Stephen Slate couldn't be with us today as he's currently teaching the Freedom Model in private classes to our guests at our beautiful St. Jude Retreat in upstate New York. We offer two ways to work with Stephen, Mark or myself and that is in person at our private retreat or we work with you via Skype. Our books are available at thefreedommodel.org we're on Amazon or one of the other online retailers. And if you have questions and want to reach us, you can call us at 888-424-2626 or send us an email at info at You can also follow us on social media, primarily Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We hope everyone is having a great summer. It's been picture perfect here. I released an article yesterday that's been making the rounds on Facebook and I gave it a bit of a controversial title. Stop saying trauma causes addiction. You know, a controversial title is supposed to get people interested enough to actually read the article, but it doesn't really do that now, does it? It just gets people interested in interest. It just gets people interested enough to comment without actually reading it, which means I have to defend my position, even though people didn't take the time to read my article. So if you want to comment, I think that's great. But I would prefer that you read the article first. Thank you so much. So what we're going to talk about today are the supposed causes of addiction. I know we've done a podcast on this before, but it's something that um, that's really kind of taken over the treatment industry. And that is that there are underlying causes and specifically that trauma causes addiction. Um, So I'm going to get right to it and have Mark get started talking about this. Well, th-
1: this is something that I've been looking at now for uh, the better part of 20 years, out of the 30 years that I've been studying uh, addiction. And, um, you know, this idea that there are causes of addiction is, is really a rabbit hole that is difficult to define initially. Um, so people, people think there are causes of addiction. And I'm going to start with this, this statement. There are no causes of addiction. There are reasons why people use substances heavily. Um, so, so the crux of this whole issue, where people get really confused and very emotional about it, is the word cause. And uh, now, I want to define a cause of something. Um, for instance, if you take a match or a lighter and you put it above the vapors in gasoline, 100% of the time it will light on fire, quite, quite violently, actually. <laughs> yes. So, so the match causes the fire, right? So it's causal. It will happen 100% of the time. There's nothing you can do about it. If that flame touches the vapors, they will light. of the time it causes that that reaction. Uh, But when we have things like trauma uh, and in some cases very severe trauma, uh, there is no immediate reaction that everybody has uh, to use substances. That's not an equal opportunity reaction. That doesn't happen every time. So that pushes it out of the causal relationship category. And that's, that's no small point because words matter and, and because words create concepts and concepts create reality. So if we teach people that if you have trauma, you will be addicted or you become susceptible to addiction. First of all, the idea of susceptibility is a disease idea and that's, that's false as well. But if you believe that addiction is caused by trauma. We would have to say that everybody that experiences trauma is going to be addicted and we know that's not true. It's just not true. The the vast majority of people who experience trauma are not addicted and, and don't turn to substances as the solution to relieving the, the, the trauma they're experiencing. That was the point of Michelle's article that she just posted and it was ironic because uh, nobody caught that and, and it was the explicit reason that she wrote the article and it's explained in detail in the article so the only conclusion we could come up with is that people just read the title
0: and they freaked out (laughs) you know (laughs) they got personally offended which which was uh, definitely i don't want that to happen i just primarily wanted to make the distinction because because here's the thing about trauma is that you can never go back and change your past right whatever happened to you happened to you so so it's there and so if it's a causal thing,
1: then you're pretty much doomed. Well, you said that in the article and, and, and you are. It's First of all, this is another point you put in the article and that is that that everybody experiences some level of trauma. Now one of the, one of the commenters, um, and this happens when you talk about trauma and, and there's reasons for it, but she was offended. She said, you know, I, I was a, a kid that went through severe abuse and I had no control. And the examples that Michelle gave weren't as severe as that, right? It doesn't mean that Michelle didn't experience trauma. You didn't experience yeah, trauma. Yeah, I,
0: I didn't. I don't post online all of my <laughs> issues from the past because it's nobody's business but mine.
1: Right. So she gave some of the lighter aspects, but I guess I guess the point is is that everybody's trauma is everybody's trauma. It's all relative. That's
0: but right. Al,
1: but also. Um, so I, I get why people are emotional about it. I have experienced deep, deep, deep trauma in my life, especially as a kid. So I understood what the lady was saying, um, but it doesn't change this one fact, and that is that people experience all kinds of extreme trauma, especially in third world countries. That's right, right. I mean, Which well, I did give that example. I know, I know, and and you gave others as well. So you you have these these. Entire cultures that are in massive disarray with genocide all around them. And a lot of those people don't get high and drunk. Yeah. So, so, And it's not for lack of there being substances available. A lot of those cultures, the substances are produced there. So, I mean, we, we have uh, tremendous access. Um, so, so it's not a causal relationship because a causal relationship is unavoidable. So then it, it delves into what is the relationship between trauma and use for those that do it and it's it becomes uh, reasons. We have reasons why we use. People have reasons personal to them. So in my case when I was young and experienced some pretty awful things, um, I, I used and I was taught that by our culture and um, and my family, which was steeped in AA and steeped in all kinds of uh, counseling lingo and um, treatment, was common in my family. And I was the youngest of twelve kids, so I was I was privy to all of this. Um, a lot of it, not very good information. And and so when when I experienced trauma, what did I do? I got drunk and high, and it became my way of coping with that. It was highly ineffective. It didn't work very well. Um, but, but nonetheless, it became my reason for use. It became my excuse. Now, if I use the word excuse there, people freak out on that too. They're, they're, they're saying, oh, you're minimizing it. You're being dismissive about the trauma. You're being dismissive about you know, all of it. And I'm not. I'm just saying how I experienced things and, um, and how I reacted. The other thing is, it's not just trauma. It's uh, uh, stress, right? Stress causes use. Uh, that's not true. It may be a reason it may be a personal reason now what is a reason what does that mean it means reasoning it means you're using your mind your thoughts to decide to make a choice that you're going to use and that's how you're going to cope with the issue at hand Um, remember a cause you have no choice if you are caused to use a causal relationship means choice does not factor in it's like the match to gasoline it's inevitable you if you experience the trauma the stress the depression the anxiety you will use that's what a causal relationship is and i want to make that clear because that's what the article was about and people missed it i mean and it's not for lack of good writing the writing was good it it, but they were like this is michelle's opinion well yes the examples are her opinion but the reality of a causal relationship in regards to this problem is she spelled it out in detail so so I hope that everybody will read it again with, with the thought in mind that we're talking about the distinction between reasons and causes. And she said it best. If it were a causal relationship, then every single human being on the planet would be doomed to get high uncontrollably, according to
0: that theory and that logic. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know? And addiction would never end. Right. Because you can't have a trauma-free life you can't have a stress-free life you can't have a stress-free life one doesn't exist so you get somebody if you identify yourself as in recovery and you're somebody that that struggled with addiction do you honestly think that from the point that you start to identify yourself as in recovery you're never going to experience another trauma well i know and that this this
1: then goes into the whole direction of triggers because Yes. Because then you're triggered to use. And that's the causal argument in different clothes. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, somehow if you have this stressor, um, whatever it might be, that you're going to be triggered to use uncontrollably and compulsively. And it's not true unless you believe it to be true. Now, here's where we get into the sticky wicket because uh, it becomes confusing to people because they do drink or drug based on stress, trauma, depression all of these things because they're learned behaviors, they're learned constructs in our culture. But there are whole cultures that don't do that. And that's what people don't know. Um, So there's, there's whole portions of the world where people react completely differently. They don't have counseling. They don't have treatment centers. They don't have time to ruminate on problems. I mean, they have a volcano come ripping out of the earth and it destroys half their village and burns half their families. And yet, you know what they concentrate on? Rebuilding, finding a water supply, doing those things because they don't have time to ruminate on the trauma. And so they get over the traumas quite quickly. Um, and we in America have time, we have time and affluence, which allows us to ruminate on problems that other people don't get to ruminate on. And so these entire constructs get, get built in our culture. Now that's not to say that that tragedy isn't tragedy that trauma isn't traumatic, that stressors aren't stressful. These, This is all a part of the dark side of human living. And so we're not minimizing. If you, no. if you heard the things I went through as a kid, you would be astounded that I didn't blow my brains out. Seriously. And yet I am completely and totally okay today. And for a long time, I still had a tremendous amount of stress and pain in my life and yet I didn't drink you know my early sobriety was anything anything oh, that is so true yeah it was anything but pleasant um and yet I never drank and drugged because the the drinking and drug
0: issue was separated from those other issues so and that's the most important thing that's the point that I really wanted to to drive home with people is that if you, if, even if you look at data and, and I'm, I'm trying to write articles that are more pointed opinion pieces more than, um, you know, if you write an article that's too technical, people zone out and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you write something that comes from the heart, you get the reaction that I did. Yeah. And so, so I did write that from the heart and, but I can point to data that shows that, that people with mental health issues um, by and large, get over addiction long before they get over their mental health issues. The data is overwhelming about that. Well, and, and we
1: cover all of this in, in the freedom model. And here's, here's the issue with social media as well. People will say, well, now you're peddling your book. Listen, if you want the book, I'm not peddling anything. If you want it and you're willing to actually read it, we'll send it to you for free. Just yeah, private.
0: it'd be nice if people would buy it <laughs> <laughs> because it costs us money to make it.
1: Um, but. But, but I want to get around the argument that we're somehow trying to peddle you know, the retreat and all these sorts of things. What we want to do is help people. If you've been in the business like we have for 30 years of helping people with addictions and you have the solution, which actually is the power of choice, free will, autonomy, and your pursuit of happiness, um, then, then you want to share that with people. You want to be able to give that to people. So we're going to shout it from the rooftops. It's not a money-making scheme. There's plenty easier ways to make money. (laughs)
0: Let me tell you what, there sure is. (laughs) Yeah, if you
1: want to make money, make a rehab and and make a human mill and treat people like they're diseased when they're not and trap them. Um, That's an easy way to make millions of dollars. People do it every day. I'm not into hurting people and falsely diagnosing people with diseases they don't have. So I can
0: collect third-party insurance money.
1: Yeah, I think that that's disgusting, wrong... And, uh, and tantamount to, to really, really hurting people. So um, I know because I lived through it. I lived through the treatment mill and it was no fun. So we don't have any agenda except for bringing up topics that nobody else is willing to really look at and and really analyzing them. But the other thing is we put it all in the book. If you, if you are the type of person that wants to criticize and wants to debate, I I encourage it. We love it. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do every day with each other. We're constantly pushing. Challenging each other, yeah. Yeah, pushing (laughs) the limits and trying to find the truth. Um, But when we wrote the book, when we wrote the Freedom Model, we made sure that what we were saying was factually correct. And we checked and double-checked. And the other thing is, you have to remember that we did the research. We came out of the treatment community. I came out of a traumatic uh, history in childhood. So did Michelle. So, so did Steve. Um, so we understand what it's like to be trapped in recovery. You yeah. know, I don't identify myself as a person in recovery. I think that's silly. Yeah. You know, being truly free is when you don't have a recovery construct holding you back from life. You know, you move on. I want every, every listener to say to themselves, my God, I, I'd like that. I'd like to be able to move on. Well, there's a book that can show you how to do that. Yeah. You know, and we'll send it to you. It's a long book. You've got to be willing to read it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a bit of an investment in time. That's for sure. But that's the only investment you really have to make um, is your time. And, and that's the other part of this is we, we want everybody to know that, that right up front in the book we say people can, can change their lives without us. I mean, that most people that, that change their substance use habits do so on their own with absolutely no treatment whatsoever, with no counseling, with no no help from the outside world. They just one day decide I can be happier making a change and they do that. Um, so, so yeah, we, we tell people right up front that you don't need us. You don't need our book. You don't need anything. You just need to make a decision that you can be happier. Now we make it sound very easy. Um, and in our current cultural situation here, um, especially in the Western world, um, you know, it's the belief systems that keep people stuck, um, and that one belief system—the trauma-causing addiction—is is a is a tough one because everybody experiences trauma. Yeah, and and I I you know I, I've seen so many people. Um, come to me and and say, oh, I was in recovery. I did very well for a long time, and then and then my dad died, or you know, you know, I ended up getting cancer, or something happened, mm-hmm. and they automatically thought, oh, I have to go back to substance use,
1: right? Because the word cause is in there, and if if they said, my dad, my dad's death was the reason I used, I think that's accurate. And, yes, and. and and I think that that's okay. It doesn't dismiss the trauma of no. the death.
0: No, but you then know? when somebody says it's a reason, we can address that directly. Yeah. And that's the key. And that is, okay, well, that's, you know, for some people, if you if you felt as if it helped you to deal with it, let's, let's pick that apart and figure that out. Did it help? How much did it help? How did it help? Um, and I think, you know, what we kind of do is we kind of wreck it. <laughs> later on like certainly in the last you know 30 years since i changed my life i've experienced some pretty difficult things and um and what it did was it made me realize oh yeah drinking doesn't really help that it doesn't it doesn't help the situation it probably is gonna it's gonna add some other difficulties that i don't really need or want
1: yeah it adds a level of complication to an already difficult situation in the long run um you know, I was covering in class. I was over at the re- retreat with one of, one of my students, and, and we were talking about, you know, how uh, does, does alcohol actually take his stress away? Yeah. You know, and it's such an interesting topic because what you find is that people conflate so many different terms. They conflate mind, brain, and all of these things, and, and it becomes one big confusing thing. But when you, when you really look at it, alcohol, as an example, or any drug, can only affect your body. Right. You know, your thoughts are still your own, and your thoughts, uh, a drug can't come in and change the content of your thoughts. And I've talked about this a lot in some of the podcasts, but, but it bears repeating here. Um, what relief you get, let's, in this case, he was saying stress causes me to drink, and so I drink to relieve it. Right. And I said, does it? Does it really relieve it, you know? What does alcohol actually pharmacologically do? Because the only thing alcohol can do as a physical agent is affect um, how the brain processes your thoughts. Try to remember the mind and the brain are not the same thing. So you have your thoughts in the mind and your brain processes them. The brain doesn't feel, it doesn't think. That's all done and experienced within the confines of a mind, which is your thoughts. And I said, so you have thoughts of being stressed out. So, what happens is you drink, you get that warm, scent, physical sensation going up the back of your head, the buzzing sensation, right? And that's a cue for you to, de- to decide to yourself, I'm going to take a little mini vacation for my stress right now.
0: Yes. <laughs> but, yes. But what it's peop- a nice distraction.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> what people, but the person, the entity, that is actually doing the stress relief is that person is saying, I'm gonna take a vacation right now based on the cue of a physical sensation. But the physical sensation of booze in your system is not taking the stress away. Now, I'm telling you, this is a hard concept for people to get. We have to parse it out over and over again in various ways. And so what you find is by the end of the analysis, alcohol and drugs, only work on the body they do not work on the mind and um, there is one exception I think to that and that's probably LSD LSD is is a gray area of of as a drug goes but the rest of them not so much they you know they don't take away stress they don't they don't make us aggressive they don't um, you know alcohol I'll have a guy say well if I drink tequila I get in a fight if I drink beer I make love right? <laughs> And, and I say you do all understand. All alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it's all F-O-alcohol. You do understand it's that, right? It's the
0: same stuff.
1: <laughs> don't, don't you think maybe this tastes is,
0: a little different?
1: Maybe this is your perception of what's going on. I here. used to
0: think that. I, I know. Used to think Jack I Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels made me mean. <laughs> 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 yeah. But
1: champagne made me fun. <laughs> yeah. It's just stuff we learn. It's 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 bullshit that we learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, you know, these these drugs don't take away our trauma, they don't solve it, they don't solve stress, they don't make us less anxious. We do. We do when we're cued by a buzz.
0: Yes, yes. And they don't make they don't make you more attractive,
1: they don't make you a better dancer. <laughs> they don't make you more social or more antisocial. That is how you have learned your relationship between a buzz, the cue, and and what you've decided it's going to do for you. So in other words, I'm going to say something that really strikes at the heart of this. We believe in magical powers, right? You know, we take a substance into our body and we believe it magically changes the mind of a human being. When a drug can't do that. Now what it can do to the brain, the processor of your thoughts, very very simply is slow it down or speed it up. Yeah. so I don't deny the fact that there's some effect that the buzz there's some effect on your thought patterns but it doesn't change the content or the motives or desires you create those so whatever stress relieving agent you feel or qualities you feel happen as a result of drinking is completely made up by you because if it pharmacologically actually did that it would do it to everybody and yet Tell me what happens when a guy gets drunk and beats his wife. He's not exactly lessening the stress in his life. So if it was a causal relationship where stress was relieved, if that was true, then he certainly wouldn't be beating his wife in a stressful situation when he got drunk.
0: And let's turn that around. So the wife is being beaten, but is she getting drunk because of the trauma of the beatings? I mean, that's kind of a circular thing, right? Yeah. But it doesn't usually work that way. Doesn't. That's right. Um, so, and, and you can have, you can experience trauma and not be caused to use substances.
1: That's the key. That's mm-hmm. the key because most people that have trauma don't go out and get high or drunk. They don't. So it can't be causal.
0: No. And it's important. It's important because everybody experiences trauma. That's why it's important to, to distinguish it. And it's important because you can't solve a cause but you can solve a reason right so we're kind of up on a half an hour and i think we're going to close it down because i think this discussion i wanted to keep it very pointed um i'm sorry we were we were away for a couple weeks but it is after all the it was the fourth of july i hope everybody had a wonderful holiday week and um I just have to go through a few things. I wanna thank everybody for listening today. We're back on schedule and we'll be releasing podcasts every other week, starting with this one. Um, we hope the audio quality of this podcast has been better. Um, we definitely would love your feedback on that. We thank everyone who's taken the time to already give us feedback. We know that, that it's the quality has, has not been up to par, um, but we're working on it. Um, also, if you or someone you know is seeking help, you can reach us at our toll-free number 888-424-2626. Um, and a lot of times Mark and I answer that phone or, or you may reach Carla at our office and she will be happy to help you and answer any questions you have or get you in contact with us. That's, you, I'm going to say
1: that number again, 888-424-2626.
0: You can find us on our websites at thefreedommodel.org, that's thefreedommodel.org all spelled out or soberforever.net, and that's also spelled out, soberforever.net. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreats and the Freedom Model, we wish you a happy summer, and um, we'll be back soon.
1: All right, bye, everybody. Take care.